Welcome to the Biology of Trauma podcast, the show that provides professionals with the knowledge and tools for effective science-based solutions for the trauma healing journey. I am your host, Dr. Amy, and I've done the hard work so you can stop your endless searching, have a roadmap for your own work, and be able to help others more powerfully. Welcome to this episode of the Biology of Trauma podcast. I am your host, Dr. Amy, and I have a special guest and a special topic for this episode. Guiding others is an honor and for me, very humbling. I do not take it lightly. It feels very similar to when I was in general surgery and my patient would entrust me with their life and safely getting them through a surgery for the hope of better health and better life on the other side. And I remember those moments of pausing right before the incision. Knife is in my hands and everyone in the room stops. Are we ready? Do we have everything we might need? Does everyone know their part? Have we anticipated what complications could happen and have a plan for how to be able to respond efficiently, quickly, and in an organized manner? No chaos and no regrets of, oh, I wish I would have prepared for that. As practitioners, parents, educators, or if you are on your own trauma healing journey, we are guides, and there are specific qualities and skills we need as guides to do this work safely, to guide someone through their trauma healing journey safely. This episode answers that question. How do I need to be for safely guiding another or myself through the trauma healing journey. What you will learn in this episode, that there are two types of emotions we need to be able to feel if we are to be embodied as the guide. And what is embodiment as a practitioner? What do parts work have to do with embodiment? And there are two things that open a door for a deeper level of healing, how to be that strong leader and what does attunement provide us as the leader and the guide, why we don't trust ourselves and how to develop that trust that will help us and how guiding someone through trauma is like being a midwife. And finally, what is behind boredom? What does boredom mean on the trauma healing journey? Let me introduce you to my special guest for this episode. This is Leisha Skye, and she is co-founder and CEO of the Trauma Research Foundation. And her life experiences have placed her uniquely in this ability to really work with the body, understand the body, and help people become embodied. And so she's been a somatic educator, body worker, artist, musician, She guides transformational experiences, incorporating dynamic observational exercises, music, movement, vocalizing, enhanced listening and touch, and being able to actually create that safety with embodiment. She's been doing this for a long time, even though she still looks very young. Don't let that fool you. She's been doing this for a very long time, is very skilled. And uh, that would be the professional introduction on a personal note, Leisha. I've had the privilege now of talking with you a couple of times in person. Like Leisha is one of those few individuals, I think, in the world uh, that I've come across that truly embodies embodiment. With that, 
Lisha, thank you so much for, for coming. Like, what does embodiment mean to you? Okay, it, it means a lot of things. But what I'll, I'll say is it's our awareness of our body. It's our awareness of what we carry in our body. Um, it's our awareness, not only of what we carry in our body, but our awareness of our relationship with what we carry in our body, our relationship with our body, because it's very much a mirror of what our relationship is to the world. And so if we're carrying pain that we're ashamed of and we're hiding it, then there's a way that that we embody the shame of the hidden things that we have inside us. We embody whatever pain we're hiding. And that sense of hiding or shame becomes part of our relationship with the world. And so if we are able to embody our strengths and um, the things that we're confident in, that's a way that we have a strong and confident relationship with the world. But we also have to tend to our our hurt parts to our our wounds and and our physical illnesses often are mirrors of our emotional experiences as well when we experience a lot of stress that we don't know how to deal with and we push that down that tends to manifest in physical symptoms that can grow over time if we don't tend them. So embodiment is about our relationship with ourself and our relationship with the world. And it's about what we understand we have permission to be, what we understand we have permission to feel. And the more respect and kindness we can hold ourselves with, the more respectful and kind we can be in the world that that we're in. Um, that that's kind of my my nutshell for how I see things today, and and it's constantly evolving. But respect and kindness more and more are the touchstones of how I hope we relate to ourselves, uh, especially the people who've had the most childhood trauma tend to have parts of themselves that hold the blame for what happened to them, whether they were actually capable of dealing with things or not. Usually children take on um, enormous adult burdens. And part of what they embody going through life is that sense of responsibility for terrible things that happened to them. And when they have that kind of blame, that inner critic can be very loud and very punishing. And it's very difficult to establish a two-way communication with those parts of ourselves that make it possible to be respectful on both sides. And so part of healing for me is learning how to not be afraid of the most hurt parts of ourselves and learning to be respectful and honor the most hurt parts of ourselves. And I find over and over again with the people that I work with that facilitating even the tiniest bit of respect and kindness tends to open a door for another kind of healing. And and so that's what embodiment means to me. When you're talking about the the hurt parts, when you're talking about the pain, when you're talking yeah. about even the shame, 
when you're using those kinds of words, what comes up for me is, well, of course, people don't want to be in their body. And that's what the body is holding. And so, of course, we live in a world right now where everyone seems disembodied. And the number of support practitioners that are needed right now who are embodied themselves and then who know how to safely open someone up to that is probably more needed now than ever before. Is that is that what you're seeing as you travel around the world? Like just there's so many people living actually disconnected. Oh, yeah. We, we have a culture that by its economic nature is a force of disconnection. And, um, and, you know, so many people are just hustling to survive. Janina Fisher would call it dealing and not feeling. Even among professionals, even among therapists that I, I come into trainings with, I find that there's a tendency to say, oh, I'm not here to deal with my feelings. I'm here to learn about how to deal with somebody else. And the truth that I find over and over again is the more I can deal with myself, the more I can meet what presents in the people that I work with. And if there's something that I have not met in myself, it's going to be very, very hard to come up against that expression in another person. You know, there we have this thing of success or fail and got to do it right and got to be the expert. And there's a power dynamic that I'm not really comfortable with in the therapeutic world. That's very disempowering for the person who's trying to heal But more and more, um, people are coming to understand how important it is for the person who's healing to have that power and agency for meeting themselves. And so it's not about us fixing them. It's about us co-creating a space together where they can feel empowered to meet themselves and meet the parts of themselves that they're most afraid of. And as a professional, as the practitioner, if there are parts of us that we have not become comfortable with, we're not going to be able to co-create that space with them. That's the thing is finding all those little bits that we were embarrassed about or we're self-conscious about or that we we think, oh, I should have taken care of this and, and I'm really good at helping other people to take care of it, but I, I haven't found the right person to take care of it with me. And and those kinds of thoughts hold us back from being able to really fully do the work and be as fully empowered ourselves as I I hope we can be. Let's talk a little bit about the collapse and shutdown specifically, because I I know that as a professional, that was something that was pretty strong in me. And then I was dealing with it and not feeling it until that wasn't working anymore. And yet we have you know, for me, patients, for others, clients coming in and they have this pretty strong collapse, shutdown response um, built in. And that can trigger our own collapse and shutdown, right? Well, all right. Well, right. stuff trigger, trigger our collapse and shutdown. I, absolutely. I, you know, I, I guide a lot of experiential exploration And sometimes people have very big positive experiences or openings from it. And then I invariably get the person who says, 
well, how do I get my person to do that? How do I make my client put their heart on their hand? And that's not what it's about. It's about exploring and understanding what your experience is and being able to hold space for a person to explore what their experience is. And their experience might be, I can't put my hand on my heart. Their experience might be, I hate that person. Why on earth would I want to put my hand on my heart? And I I know there can be a moment where we kind of freeze and go, oh no, what do I do with that? And and I, I remember the first times I met those utterly despondent, despairing parts in the people that I was working with. And I did have that kind of freeze response where I thought, I'm going to fail. I'm over my head. I'm supposed to be an expert. I'm supposed to have all the answers. And, And over time, what I've really learned is first, if, if I find myself holding my breath, I'll actually say that I'll say, wow, I find myself holding my breath when you say that. Wow. And 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 my my stance always is to give myself permission to be comfortable with not knowing. Give myself permission to be just fine with not having the answer but holding curiosity. And curiosity with somebody that I'm working with if they have great despair and and it is a scary thing is to name whatever I'm feeling. So if I'm feeling a little scared for that person, I'll say, I'm feeling a little scared for you. This is a part of me that I'm going to just acknowledge and then let them step back so that we can be together and be curious about this. And how much am I able to move toward that huge feeling that I might be afraid of in myself? What I find is that the more openly I can move towards whatever, with acceptance, whatever the person is feeling, the less resistance they're going to feel for me, the much safer they're going to feel with me, the much more open presence and witnessing happens in a way that actually allows some ease and some breathing to begin, allows a person to feel met with respect and safety. If I'm so afraid of what this person is feeling that I can't be fully present and and parts of me want to shut it down and say it's dangerous, it's never going to be safe for those parts to come out and work with me. Does that make sense? Makes a lot of sense. And it reminds me of something that Marsha, where are you, Marsha? I I saw you here. Uh, Marsha was working, she was leading a somatic parts breakout group the other day. And she Mm -hmm. shared how someone in her group mentioned that this part of them had come up, this part that had wanted to die. And she shared how in the past she would have felt that panic, that freeze. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. I for my head Mm -hmm. and I've got this whole group to lead and to regulate as well. And how do I hold the space? Uh And thankfully Marsha has been doing her own work to the degree that she was like, no, like I felt like I could I could create space for that part as well. And in the process, be able to allow everyone else in the room who had also found that they had that part to normalize that. And it doesn't need to be this big secret that we can't talk about because that, again, is going to just disconnect us further from ourselves, truly to be able to 
it create a, an embodiment of all parts. All parts are welcome in our body. And and the biggest part is learning how to trust ourselves in that I don't have to have all the answers state. Because really, this work is so much about exploration. Each individual that we work with is so complex. And there can't be an exact replicable map for every single person that we come across. We're not like a correct your thinking model. We're about understanding where a person is in their body, in their feelings, and just holding space for that. There, there's so many people that I work with that they'll they'll have a quick feeling and then they'll work actively physically. You can see them suppressing the feeling that has come up or the tears that have come up or readjusting their voice and making their joy their voice push all the vulnerability out of it. And so how do we say, wait, wait, let's slow down. Let's stay here. Let's stay here right now. Let's let's feel this uncomfortable feeling. I know it feels really awful and I'm right here with you. I respect this feeling and and I know there's something important here because so much of you wants to run away from it. So that it's kind of like knowing where the scariness is is so often where the the real rewards can be. And for me, this is starting to sound a lot like what you describe as your definition of attunement, Lisha. Attunement being your words, the envelope that makes exploration with safety, trust, curiosity, openness, spontaneity, compassion, play, humor, imagination, and connection possible. And and this is what you seem to be describing right now, where when when you create that attunement with someone else, Mm. what arises in their body is what their body is ready to work with today. And it's not going to be a script that everyone is going to follow. Everybody's going to be different, but your job as the practitioner is just to attune and mm-hmm. then the rest kind of just is an exploration. Is that what, what I'm gathering from you? All right. It's, it's about meeting and, and coming into sync and yeah, absolutely. I, I get really emotional about this because it, it feels so not mechanical. It's so deeply personal. I, I don't think there's a more intimate work than helping somebody get to know themselves, really know themselves. Yeah. And I cannot do that with another person unless I'm fully in my own being at the same time. So I have to be so grounded that I can fully meet the person that I'm working with or the group that I'm working with. Um, and And that's the thing just noticing where do I feel it in my body, inviting the persons that I'm working with to notice where do they feel it in their body right now? When you say this thing, what's happening? What's happening in your shoulders? What's happening in your neck? Or I can notice something in your voice. What do you notice in my voice or what, what, and, and people want to talk globally and not get specific. So when I'm working with a person to pay attention with their body, I'm I'm trying to have them slow down as much as possible. And quite often it feels like the slower we're able to go, the more happens. And the embodiment and being grounded that you're talking about, it's very much evident that you are not losing yourself in the process. And no. the attunement 
that you're able to do with others. It's not like you're, you're leaving yourself to only attune with them. You are so attuned with yourself that then you can, it's almost like connect with them, but not lose yourself in the process. And I think of a lot of nature analogies with that, whether it's a, well, Leisha's being a tree, right? And someone's (laughs) coming in and they're leaning against the tree, but she's still the tree and the tree's not moving. The tree's not being uprooted because they're leaning against the tree. The tree is the tree or a river or the ocean, right? Like these, these forces of nature that they, they don't lose themselves and yet can be a resource to others. Yeah. I, I love the metaphor of the midwife. Actually, that's my favorite one. Um, I I had two home births when I was quite young and um, my midwife was so warm and confident and delighted with my labor, even when I was terrified, even when I wasn't sure of what my body could or could not do, even when I wasn't completely sure if I was safe. My midwife was there, and by being fully there, she wasn't taking on my labor pain. She wasn't moaning and groaning and crying if I was moaning and groaning and crying. She was there saying, you're doing a great job. I'm right here with you. And and that gave me the confidence to stay present with my own body and do what I needed to do in order to birth my children. And there's a way that that when people are doing deep healing work from trauma, they are rebirthing themselves. They are bringing themselves back into the world, parts of themselves that they may have thought were lost forever. It's a, it's almost like a soul retrieval that's happening. And, and so to be able to be present with confidence, say, yeah, this is really scary right here. Yes, I get how hard this is. I get how painful this is. Oh, I resonate with that grief. I resonate with that anger. I resonate with that embarrassment. What, whatever the feeling is that you sense, it's it's your generosity and your witnessing to name and help the person that you're working with to name their experience, find the specificity of where they feel it in their body and be able to notice what shifts and changes as they hold it. So quite often I'll get to a place where somebody's having a feeling and I'm helping them to stay with it and all the words stop. It just becomes about scanning and tracking and noticing. And and the words that that try and clarify the self-experience come slowly. Or the words about the parts of themselves that come up that they're meeting, they come slowly. And sometimes there are huge feelings that come up with it. And so there's an art to staying still and being fully present. There's an art to holding feelings in yourself that somehow energetically meet the person that you're with. It's about staying present. It's about not running away and helping the person to feel confident in staying and not running away too. Or or knowing what the edges of wanting to run away feel like. What does it feel like to have that urge and stay right there 
with whatever's not comfortable. And what you're describing is is really a guide, a leader, mm-hmm. someone who can show up like the midwife <laughs> and say, no, I got this. I'm not phased by this at all. And you can think oh. that the world is ending. I might be phased by it, but I'm going to stay right here. I'm not going to run away from it. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to exude the, the confidence that we can do this together. And so I think that that is one of the main differences between just finding a friend to talk to or vent with and actually Mm -hmm. having a guide who knows how to be skilled in working with your nervous system. Yeah. Yeah. And and it is in part about understanding your nervous system, how your nervous system responds, because when we take in things that are in our environment, we're constantly responding on a subconscious level to what's around us and what's inside us. And so to bring that into our awareness and know with more clarity, oh, I'm responding to this light back here behind me, even though it's in the screen. Somehow that that's something that nourishes me. I'm responding to that. I'm responding to a confused look on somebody's face and able to meet and hold that. I'm I I get to be present and I get to help the person that I'm with be fully present in a different way. And it that's the beginning. Just being present like that is the beginning of having a relationship with yourself, with awareness versus judgment. The slower we go, the more awareness we can have and the more vivid our embodied experience is. What's happening in my body? I can feel my balance. I can feel my spine. I can feel my breath. I can feel what wants to move. I can feel what's still collapsed. Playing and exploring is very dynamic. And I've learned that the expressions of emotion that come up for people as they do these things, there's a whole spectrum from, oh, I love this. It's meditation. It's my sweet spot, my safe spot. To, this is the most boring thing I've ever done in my life. It's a waste of time. And what I find is that boredom is a great defense against paying attention to yourself. To say, usually when there's boredom, there's some sense of agitation, some sense of wanting to move or move away from or move out of, or a lot of times fight and anger come up just beneath the surface of boredom. Boredom is, is such an exquisite way of saying, I'm really uncomfortable now. I don't want to do this anymore. It, it's not about making a person want to do more than they want to do. It's about being able to notice and going, oh, wow, what does boredom mean for you? What's it like to be bored? What do you feel when you feel boredom? Where do you feel boredom in your body? And and not, not fighting it, not trying to change the mindset about what it means or convince somebody that you're doing something that's so great. But being curious enough to meet them right where they are, even with this is a waste of time. Well, where do you feel a waste of time in your body? What does it make your body want to do? 
And and when's the last time you felt that way? Do you feel that way often? You know, and 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 so there it's it's an avenue to explore and whatever the jumping off point is for us to be curious together. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm in total agreement with you. And as a physician, I think that my perspective has been that boredom is one of the the greatest ways to try to escape stillness and just being with yourself. And then what I saw happen time and time again, is that people get sick and then guess what? They have nowhere to escape but themselves. They have to be with themselves. They, they they can't they can't do anything. They can't get out of bed, maybe, and they just have to be with themselves. And and that's uh, <laughs> there's there's you know time and time again, way after way that the universe will try to get us to just learn stillness and yeah. how to be with ourselves. Yeah, so provide us that opportunity multiple times. Absolutely, I front load embodied awareness that's the thing that's that's embodied awareness is not about words it's about being able to be aware of and track sensations in our own bodies and what resonates with the people around us that we're working with especially in a psychedelic space it's very important to be able to have an embodied wordless attunement with a person who may be journeying without much ability to have words, but still needs to feel your presence holding and containing their experience with as much safety as possible. So yeah, Mm. no matter what you do, it, it can be something that you practice and integrate into what you practice. Yeah. Embodied awareness is just how you do everything. It's, it's the it's the undercurrent of of everything. It's not it's not one modality by itself. It's just it's just how how you be. Yes. Well, thank yeah. you, and thank you for being with us today and sharing from your heart. Very thank much. Thank you so much for having me. Wisdom. And thank you for joining me for this episode. Learning how to safely guide people and not lose ourselves in the process. How to be the strong leader that is not phased by the big or confusing emotions or experiences of another and how to use attunement and develop trust with our own bodies is the work responsibility and gift for those of us who choose to be guides. Drop a review for this biology of trauma podcast, please. I don't normally ask for this, but it helps me know what is landing for you. And it helps others find the biology of trauma podcast when they are searching for information on trauma healing or chronic disease. I have dropped some important links for you in the show notes that will further empower you. I have dropped a tools guide for practitioner, the 15 top biology of trauma tools, because as we are practitioners and guiding people, we will find that their own biology holds them back or slows them down. So with that, you need biology of trauma tools, and I have that guide for you. I also have a guide for biology of trauma tools for parents and educators, If you are interested in learning how to do somatic and parts work, both for yourself and for leading another, I invite you to join the foundational journey and I will provide a link for that as well. And as we are working with the body, we will often find chronic bracing patterns. This will show up as tension. And this is an unconscious way that our body is protecting us from not feeling things. 
And magnesium is essential for giving those muscles what it needs to be able to relax and feel our body and feel our emotions. And so you will want to bring in magnesium anytime that you see chronic bracing patterns. I'm your host, Dr. Amy. And until next episode on this biology of trauma podcast, lots of love. Thank you for joining me today. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to subscribe. We definitely will learn, laugh, and sometimes cry together on this healing journey. And you won't want to miss an episode. Give my podcast five stars, share it with a friend or colleague. If you felt an impact as it truly helps get the word out and breaking the paradigm of how we do trauma work. I look forward to seeing you back here next week. Until then, this is your host, Dr. Amy, sending you lots of love. Oh, 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 oh